Welcome to Short-Term Rental Investing 101. Thanks for joining. I'm Amir Dukic, founder and CEO of Rabu and the host of this podcast. Today, we're answering your questions and sharing tips and tricks on how to operate short-term rentals. Joining me are two of my Rabu teammates, Katie Mahoney, who runs a property management business, and Trent Hawthorne, who helps build our technology to do so. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining. Um, I'm Nicole, and I'll be moderating the webinar today. Uh, we have a great, great list of panelists here who all go around and introduce themselves, um, but they're all definitely experts in the short-term rental property management space and really eager and excited to share all their tips that they've learned through either self-managing or managing through Rabu on behalf of other owners uh, with all of you today. So the format for the webinar today is we do have some pre-prepared pre questions to go through at the beginning here. Um, but as we're answering questions, if any come to mind for all of you, just go ahead and pop it in the chat. And then towards the end of the webinar, we've left some time for some open Q&A. So we'll be answering some of those questions that come in through the chat. If you end up thinking of more as we're going through those Q&A questions, definitely make sure to keep sending those through. Um, and we'll make sure to get all your guys' questions answered. Uh, so hopefully you get a lot of value out of this webinar. So before we jump into the bulk of the questions, it would be great if all of you, so Amir, Katie, and Trent could all go around, take a moment to introduce yourself and maybe let us know the favorite Airbnb you've ever stayed in. Absolutely. I'll go ahead and start, Nicole. Thanks for hosting this. Everyone, thanks for joining. My name is Amir Dukic. I'm the CEO of Rabu. Uh, I started the company actually with my wife, and I think it was, well, it was maybe 2016, 2017. Uh, we purchased a house in Charlotte that had a detached garage and a little room above that garage that we turned into an Airbnb. So we ended up managing the units ourselves, uh, that unit, and then got a handful more uh, that we were self-managing, um, then realized how big this opportunity was and started building out what Rabu is now, which is a platform that helps investors find, buy, and operate uh, short-term rentals. So, so you guys probably know, we have a data tool set on data.rabu.com where you can identify short-term rentals to buy. We have lender and broker partners that can help you buy those assets. And then we have a property management arm that manages uh, 400 properties, a little bit over 400 properties across the country. Um, so as I mentioned, I started off self-managing it. Since, have added, uh, since the team has grown, we have about 33 people nationwide. Uh, Katie and Trent and Nicole being a, a few of those. Um, and I'm uh, excited again to have everyone here uh, to kind of educate anyone as much as we can on uh, short-term rentals. My favorite one, to answer your question, there's been so many good ones. My favorite one was we stayed uh, with some really good friends at one in Santorini in Greece, which is which was literally right next to, if you guys, uh, you've seen those Greece postcards and they always have that white dome church um, in those photos. We didn't notice, but we were actually renting an Airbnb that was literally right next door uh, to that church. So we were literally in a postcard with an Airbnb that it wasn't a postcard. We didn't know that that was even the case until we got there. So that was quite breathtaking. Uh, but there's been some great ones all across the country and, and internationally. Awesome. I'm jealous. Katie, you want to go next? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Hi, all. My name is Katie Mahoney. I am located up in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm the Vice President of Operations here at Rabu, and my favorite Airbnb, it doesn't quite compare to Santorini, but in Mammoth Lakes, California, we had a record amount of snow. This was just last Christmas, and so we were stuck in our Airbnb, but thankfully it was basically like a five-star lodge sort of thing, um, so it, they had all the experiences just right in property, so that was a really fun experience too. Wow, it sounds like a movie plot being stuck in a cabin with snow at Christmas time. <laughs> awesome. It was. Trent, how about you? 
Hey everybody, I'm Trent Hawthorne. I'm the uh, Chief Operating Officer at Rabu, and I'm based in Charlotte, North Carolina. My favorite Airbnb was also in Santorini, but not in the same place as Amir or with Amir at the time, believe it or not, um, even though we've known each other for about 10 years. Um, I'm putting the link in the chat, actually. Um, it's called the Three Stones Villa. It's in Amiravigli, which is right in the little village in Santorini. Amazing view um, and highly recommend it. Awesome, all your great Airbnbs are making me itch for a vacation. <laughs> um, so let's dive into the list of questions now. I think that the first question that many short-term rental investors may ask themselves is how really to manage the property. So there's two main options there. There is self-management and there is hiring or working with a property manager. And it seems like some of the people in the chat and who are at this call right now um, there's a mix of both of them. So first question being, how do you decide which one to go with if you should self-manage or if you should hire a property manager? Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll take that one to get started. It's a good question, Nicole. Uh, so as I mentioned, we started self-managing and the reason we did that is we transparently kind of stumbled upon short-term rentals. As I mentioned, we bought that house in Charlotte in a detached garage in a room above the garage. Um, and we just put it in Airbnb, just hoping for some discretionary income. And next thing you know, it's making enough money to pay the mortgage in a house. So we were in a sense house hacking on accident. Um, and at that point, my wife and I were just in a position where we were able and willing to do it ourselves. Um, so we, we wanted to learn the industry and we wanted to jump into it. Um, and for that time and place in our lives, it was just the right thing to do. Um, you know, get to about four or five, we quickly realized that in order to do this at scale, you know, we needed to build a property, in our instance, get a property manager involved. Um, and that we did that by building our own property management company. But it's really kind of understanding where you are, where you are in your life, what you're hoping to accomplish. Are you just looking for a one time property that you can manage? Or are you looking to build a portfolio? Really, what, what your goals are um, is really key in understanding. And then also what your time commitment and availability is. You know, when you have, if you have a young family or a demanding job, it's probably not the right thing to do to manage yourself. But if you have some free time um, and, you know, just looking to have one or two properties, it's, it's probably a good idea uh, just even to for the interaction and to learn how, how to operate this type of asset. Awesome. Thanks for that. I think it's really uh, interesting perspective you're able to offer, you know, going through both self-management and then now here at Rebu. So thanks for that answer. Um, so diving into the actual tasks of property management, there's a, a whole lot of them from, you know, before the rental even goes live to after guest stays and things like that. So starting at the very beginning there, one of the first tasks is likely listing and marketing your rental to get bookings. Um, what are some best practices that we have for that? And especially in really competitive markets, how can operators stand out from different rentals and really differentiate themselves when it comes to listing and marketing? Sure, I can, I can jump in there and start that off. Um, I'd say the first and kind of most basic but very important thing to do is to list on multiple channels um, or OTAs as we call them in industry, online travel agencies. Um, two really important reasons for that. One is eyeballs. So you just want the opportunity to be in front of more potential guests and than, than one channel would present. Um, but the other one that's not talked about, I think, enough in this industry is, is platform risk, right? If you're only on one specific channel, then there, there are things that can go wrong on that specific channel where your, your property can be delisted. And that obviously is your main 
only marketing channel if you're only if you're on one channel, um, which puts your your business your short term rental at risk. So we would absolutely recommend listing on multiple channels uh, and doing the research in the particular market where your property is, as to which channel is attractive to the guests in that particular market. Um, so that's obviously. Uh, the first step. And then of course, listing on multiple channels means that you're going to need a unified calendar um, to be managed by some piece of software, you know, either a channel management software or a property management software so that you avoid double bookings. Um, and we can get into that more in, in the, in the chat, but um, that'd be the first step I would say. And adding on to that. So after you're all set up on the channels, first thing you want to do is get professional photos. So photos, from professionals can actually bump uh, your listing by 40% on all the different OTAs. Um, on top of that, also focus on just SEO, search engine optimization. Basically on Airbnb, uh, every listing, every tweak that you make makes it bump up closer to the top of the actual search engine. So when someone's searching for your property, yours will hopefully pop up first. So ways to do that would be going in and actually editing your listing. Um, doing that daily can actually just automatically bump you up, whether it be just a, a spelling change or a word change or, or any amenity change there. Uh, and then also just listing out those amenities. So list every single thing that your property actually has to offer, even down to kitchen basics, air conditioning, things that you wouldn't think to list. Super important to list just to get you up to the top of that list. Yeah, and I think that those are all great points. Uh, I think especially early on, especially if you're self-managing, because if you hire a property manager, they have a lot of those things figured out. If you're self-managing, like when we first started, it's really understanding what technology you need to utilize to really succeed um, at how you want to operate as an individual, or how you as an individual uh, best work. So, you know, do, do you really need a, do you need a, a property management system? Do you need pricing software, which transparently you should have. I'm sure we'll touch on that in a second. Do you want to utilize smart home devices to allow people in remotely, things of that nature, kind of understanding the process uh, and how you want to manage and then finding the technology to automate that as much as possible uh, is really important. Uh, the one thing I always kind of reference is think of the best Airbnbs that you've stayed at. What did you enjoy about the experience? Did you enjoy meeting somebody, handing the keys? Why did you book that particular property versus another property? Uh, what did you like about the experience? Think back to what you saw yourself and liked, uh, like Emily earlier, like being in the bourbon trail. Perfect. That's a great idea. But things like that matter. So always put yourself in the position of the guest and make sure to set everything up for yourself so that you would book there. You would automate as much of it as possible. Great. Those are really great tips. Um, Katie, I love the point that you made about, you know, professional photos can increase booking volume by 40%. That seems like a really great upfront investment that just continues to pay dividends. Um, so kind of going on from there, then part of marketing and just operating a short-term rental is a pricing strategy. So um, a well-informed nightly pricing strategy can surely be the difference between just an average rental and a high-performing one. Um, how does the Rabu team handle nightly pricing strategies? And for self-managers, what's really the best way to go about um, having a strategic nightly pricing? pricing approach. Yeah, happy to jump in there. Uh, revenue, likely the most important topic on this entire webinar, because it's the reason that you chose to do a short-term rental strategy versus any other strategy. And it's obviously one of the most difficult parts of a short-term rental or one of the most difficult parts of this rental strategy, because unlike long-term leases where you can look up you know, annual rental uh, rates very easily, it's much more difficult to do that in short-term rentals. So to answer the question, Nicole, the way we do it at Rabu, 
um, is we do use dynamic pricing software, which will you know, look at demand-based activities in that particular market and change rates for each night very regularly based on how demand is changing. Um, but on top of that, and this is what we would say is probably most important, is that we do have a team of people that look at those rates every single day against comparables for that particular property and actually go in and see how the comparables are changing rates and modify the target property's rate or your rate um, against what the comps are doing. And that activity is very important um, because obviously one helps you rank higher um, in SEO because you're making changes to your listing, like Katie said, um, but two, more activity just is meeting the market where it actually is on a daily basis and can really drive up your, your revenue per available night. Um, we've seen that kind of activity drive revenue up 30 and 40% being that active. Uh, and we have a team of people, like I mentioned, that are doing it. So we have a revenue team of you know Fabio, Tino, Julia, and Nancy, who are looking at these rates every day. And it's a, it's a very important subject. So Highly recommend, um, you know, dynamic pricing software, but it's never going to be enough. You need to go in and change rates actively like our team does. Um, and of course, doing research about the particular market and events that are happening in that market and length of stay in that market also all, also play a factor. Yeah, as a, especially as a new host, you know, it's easy to think about it um, as, you know, let me trust, let me just do Airbnb smart pricing, right? Let me, let me utilize Airbnb smart pricing. Transparently, we would never recommend anybody utilize just the straight Airbnb smart pricing. Airbnb, you know, they even tell you in some of their kind of publication is that they want to drive as many bookings as possible. So their prices are usually much lower than you can earn. So um, don't trust Airbnb smart pricing. I would recommend using a third party uh, dynamic pricing tool, whether it's a price labs, a wheelhouse, or beyond pricing. I think there's a few others out there that, that you can utilize as well. Um, it's also, and I think Trent was alluding to this, it's not set it and forget it. You can't just set the price and kind of never think about pricing again. This is something that you would have to be in actively, very active. The dynamic pricing software is like the, the first step. The next step is nobody knows the property, your property better than you. So it's really important for you to go into those properties on a daily basis, sometimes maybe multiple times a day, depending on what's going on in the market to adjust those prices, prices manually. So um, you can't, I can't understate how important that is. Um, you know, there's nothing more frustrating, you know, as you guys know, we, we have a data tool. And if, you, and if you look through our data tool, a lot of times you'll see, you'll see the listings that we're utilizing in our data tool to set comps for how much a property can make. And there's nothing more frustrating as a host when you click on a listing, you see every night is the same price. Every weeknight is 100 bucks, every weekend night is $125. There's a lot of money being left on the table of those strategies. We most of the time recommend our, our, our clients to not utilize those as comps because they're not true comps. They're poorly run properties because you know they're not you they're not maximizing on their nightly rate. So you know the great thing about short-term rental is short-term rentals is that the the dynamicness of the pricing, you know, it can help you combat inflation. It helps you combat a lot of things. So don't sleep on that. That is incredibly important to, to really hone in on. Great answer. It definitely seems like one of those activities that takes a lot of time. But as Trent mentioned, probably one of the most important things you can do as a property manager to, to increase your revenues. Uh, so next up, we'll chat a little bit about guest reviews, which, as we all know, can really make or break a rental. Um, what tips do we have for earning five-star reviews? 
Yes, I would love to take this one. I love this question. Basically, reviews drive ops. It is the basis of why we do everything we do in ops. So it actually starts even before the guest actually books. So let's say a guest says, hey, we're coming in for our birthday, and they just give you that little golden nugget of information um, before they even get to the property. Really hang on to that. And whether it be a card that you leave in the property or even just messaging them once they check in saying, hey, hope you have a great birthday, wishing you all the best. Um, so it starts there. And then once they actually get onto the property, it's all about the value. So everyone at this point expects a clean property, a good location that at this point won't necessarily just get you five stars. What you really need to do is make it make the value worth it for the guests. So what that means is adding in special amenities, adding in little snacks for special touches, a guest book so that they know the area, a communication line to you or your property management company just so you know we're available 24 7 for any questions that they happen to have yeah i would definitely listen to katie on this uh before joining rabu she was actually at uh four seasons resorts where she went through some pretty uh interesting uh hospitality training so i'm sure you picked a lot of this up there so uh definitely this comes from an expert um from a non-expert opinion because i wasn't trained like katie was and we were doing it when my wife and i were first managing our first set of units the biggest thing for us was over communicating. You can never over communicate with guests, uh, just be be available uh, to be heard. Unfortunately, sometimes that means being available 24 seven um, because as things pop up, but that's probably one of the biggest things you can do. Um, and then it, this will happen regardless how amazing your property is. You will get a four or three star review and you'll get somebody that leaves a review that has you know a negative piece of information about the property. The bet, uh, this is incredibly important. When that comes in, you should not respond to the guest and say, "Hey, you're being unreasonable. I did my best. I went above and beyond for you." Like this shouldn't become a one-on-one -on -one confrontation with the guest. You should definitely respond to that review, but the response should be aimed at future guests. What I mean by that is, if, for example, Katie stays at one of my properties, she says, "Hey, you know, we had a great stay, but the but the one of the windows was broken." Uh, and I couldn't open it or something along the lines. And, you know, the review wouldn't be, well, Katie, you broke it if she did break it. It would be like, hey, Katie, thanks for letting me know. We have since addressed this issue and we'll make sure that it's not a problem going forward. Um, that makes a big difference um, and actually helps you get more bookings because, you know, we're all human, stuff happens. So as long as you show kind of proactiveness and positivity out of a situation like that, uh, that's, a, that's a gold nugget to, to carry on because uh, guests appreciate that. Yeah, that's great advice. I love the point about not responding to them defensively and instead kind of showing how you're improving it moving forward. It's something very tactical that people can take away from this. Uh, so our next two questions are all about vendors, which I know is something that we're often asked about a lot. Um, the first part is that, you know, a key part of operating a short-term rental business or as a property manager is having a high quality vendor team that you can trust. What exactly is that list of must-have vendors that, you know, we source as a property management company or as self-managers they should be looking to source for their property yeah i mean maybe i'll take i'll start with this one um early on you really as if you're self-managing most of the time you are the vendor at least the vendor coordinator so when when my wife and i first got our airbnb we would do the cleaning thinking we would make more money that way because we could collect some of the cleaning revenue ourselves we would do some of the little you know touch-ups if there's maintenance issues we would be the one if the ac goes out that would be coordinating um, kind of the AC technician to come out there. So um, 
you know, transparently, if you are self-managing, uh, the best thing you can do is start creating a contact list for yourself. Okay, who's who, who are my, if I'm not doing myself, who are my cleaners? Who are, who is plan A, plan B, plan C for, for AC, AC and heat, right? What's my, who's my plumbing contractor? And just have them on standby and ready to call when the emergency hits because it's so important to act quickly in short-term rentals. If something happens, you have to address it within hours, not within days, like you would in traditional long-term rentals and your speed and again, communication is going to be key to it. So really build out that list or become the vendor yourself. Sometimes you just have to do things yourself if you're self-managing. So uh, cleaners, AC, plumbing, um, just general maintenance is, are, are the types of groups you want to have handy and ready. Probably a plan A through C for those groups. That's a great point, Amir. And to really add to that, so we have several team members actually specifically dedicated to vendor management here. So that's how much time it takes up for us in the different markets. So um, like Amir said, the cleaning partner is really the number one. If it's not a clean property, right there, you're already losing your guest stay. But on top of that, HVAC, plumbing, a pool vendor, a hot tub vendor, snow removal, if you're in one of those markets, um, lawn care, if you're in one of those markets. So they're really dozens of vendors that you have to have on standby just ready to help out at any moment. Yeah, great answers. And it sounds like that's uh, there's a few that kind of span all properties and there's definitely some that are uh, more specific to some properties rather than others. Um, now with that list of vendors in mind, what are our tips on how to actually source and manage those vendors? Because it seems like that could be a lengthy list for some properties. Yeah, I mean, again, um, especially if you're handing, you know, doing this self-managing, you probably just need to go spend some time in the market itself. You need to go down there and interview vendors. I mean, again, cleaners are the most important. I know when we launched, you know, we started in Charlotte and we got our second property in Savannah. We spent probably three days interviewing cleaners in Savannah to find one that we, we could trust and believe in. Because again, if you're doing it remotely, you know, in a remote market, they are your eyes and ears on the ground. So uh, you really should not just go find somebody off Craigslist or something and just hire them. You really need to invest the time to um, to actually interview them um, and ask the right questions and be comfortable that they're gonna be doing that for you. So really it's, uh, they become an extension of your business. So it's really important to, again, spend time with them, over communicate with them. And transparently, be willing to pay them fairly. You know, we, there's a lot of conversation about Airbnb cleaning fees being too high. A lot of times, that's because you know the vendors, the cleaning vendors, and all the other vendors need to be paid a significant amount because their their work is hard. So um, don't skimp out on on the actual paying of the vendors either. Yeah, great points, Mayor. Really can't reiterate enough how important it is to vet. Um, go through as many as it takes, do whatever it takes to find the right partner. If it's not the right partner, you're just going to have to go through the whole sourcing process all over again. But the last piece of that really would be just for contracts. We use contracts for all of the vendors that we use just to make sure everyone's on the same page and to hold everyone as, you know, to hold them accountable and to hold us accountable to make sure we're holding up our end of the bargain. So highly recommend contracts, getting it in writing and, and getting all of the potential problems and issues solved in that contract. Great. Love those answers. Thank you. Um, so kind of reflecting back on the questions that we've asked thus far, it really does seem like a lot goes into managing a short-term rental from, you know, before it goes live to guest support, managing vendors, so on and so forth. I'm sure a lot of people now are questioning how to automate all of this and save some time. 
Um, can you three go around and share your best automation tip for property management? Yeah, absolutely. I can jump in there. So the first place to start, I think, is access um, for the guests to the unit. Obviously, if you're intending to grow a portfolio, you can't be everywhere at the same time, right? <laughs> so you you want to give the guest a secure and reliable and memorable way to access your property um, through smart locks. And so one of the things that we do is we have software that will automatically set the lock code um, on the lock, on the smart lock at the property to the guest's um, phone number, the last four digits of their phone number at the time of check-in. So it only programs the lock at 3 p.m., for example, if 3 p.m. is the check-in time. And again, it's the last four digits of their phone number. So it's very easy for them to remember. Um, they don't you know, have to have all the confusion that we've all had when we're trying a new lock for the first time and it's a different code and we can't remember it, right? It's just very simple of they already know the numbers and um, and obviously they, hopefully they've received automated check-in instructions from you on how to access the lock and get into the property because that is you know their first impression is access and that really impacts reviews which Katie has already talked through so definitely automate access using smart locks um, it's important for security and it's also what um, travelers want um, so that's the first thing the second thing is automating access for cleaners right there's no reason that you have to, you know, be informing the cleaners that the guest is checking out every every reservation that you have. Um, there are tools to automate that where your, your cleaner can know when reservations have taken place, when check-ins or checkouts, excuse me, are happening, and um, and have all of that communication taken off your plate. Which again, we have software um, that we do. So anything that can be any type of communication that can be automated around access, uh, we would highly highly recommend that. And to build on that point exactly, Trent, and Debbie, uh, shout out to the Rabu's second property, but Debbie, this will answer your question that you just asked as well. Um, we actually have automated the entire cleaner process. So not only the communication, but the actual scheduling of the cleaners. So our dev team, our software team, who's phenomenal, has actually built our property management system that we use and built an API integration with a third party called Turnover BNB. And that's how we actually schedule all of our cleaners. So every single time anyone books across any OTA, um, any booking platform, a automatic block will actually be set up that will be sent to the cleaner through turnover BNB. So we don't have to communicate schedules or anything. It's all automated, which is way easier for us and for the cleaner to be able to set up their days. Yeah, I'd echo that. Turnover BNB is definitely a good uh, opportunity to go source cleaners. Um, so. Uh, if you are self-managing, you're looking at your first property, if you need a place to find cleaners, turnover BNB is a good place. Software does also help you manage, you know, uh, schedule them. Uh, but at this point, that's manual. Luckily, we have our own property management system that we've integrated into turnover BNB to automate that as much as possible. Uh, and I saw the uh, question come in from Yvonne, uh, Yvonne uh, about how we, the, the tools that Rabu uses for checkouts for cleaners. You know, it's obviously it's a little hack that we created. I thought at first was never going to work. And it's something that can be replicated if you want to do it yourself. But basically every morning at 8 a.m., we send a message out to the guests that's staying at the property. It basically says, hey, Trent, if you've checked out uh, or when you check out, please text us back the letter Y. Uh, and I didn't think anybody would do this personally when this idea was presented, but I was 100% wrong uh, because we started getting, I'm probably say 50 to 60% of guests tell us when they've checked out. And it's usually around 9 a.m., uh, which point our software can then automate the, the cleaners, letting them know that a certain property has become vacant. So um, that's a great tool. Um, you guys can do it yourself. Obviously, you would have to do it manually. Some other hacks that I did when I was 
kind of um, starting out, self-managing it, I, I kind of created a process for myself and template for myself. So every morning at 7 a.m., I would see who who checked in the day prior. I would send them messages uh, every every day before somebody check it, checks in at 7 a.m. I would send them messages. So it's really about creating templates and creating processes, creating SOPs if you don't want to utilize technology uh, to do so. But if you do, transparently, there's almost too much technology out there for this space. You know, there's property management systems, anything from Guessy to, man, there's uh, Streamline. There's probably 50 different property management systems. There's pricing software, as I mentioned, Price Labs. Um, wheelhouse, uh, beyond pricing, smart home tech, there's Operto, Lynx, um, probably two or three others that do something similar. There's communication software out there too that just automate the communication on your behalf. So templates that I mentioned, some of this, there's software tools that do that. Uh, the biggest one was Smart BNB, but I think they renamed to something. Trent, do you remember what they renamed themselves to, rebranded to? Hospitable, yep. Hospitable, yeah. So they, they've been a pretty good kind of uh, tool for um, kind of automating communication, which is good to have. But really, there's a lot of tools out there. Really hospitable. Thank you, Christina. Um, uh, there's really some, uh, you really need to spend some time if you want to automate this as a self-manager, digging into all these tools and figuring out what works for yourself. Now, there will be some limitations there, uh, but uh, th there are tools out there that you can utilize in order to get that achieved. Awesome. You just teed up our next question really well, Amir. I was going to ask, what are the different types of software that exist for automation? And are there a few that stand out among the competition? Yeah, I mean, I guess I did mention the few that stand out that I would definitely recommend Turnover BNB to source cleaners. We still use them uh, some internally. Wheelhouse for pricing, we still use some for our initial dynamic pricing internally. Um, I know some people like Price Labs a lot. Transparently, we don't use them that much. Um, trying to think what else would, would stand out. Um, you got to mention Hospitable's formerly Smart BNB that that had some pretty good traction. Um, th those few are the ones that kind of that kind of stand out. That really, there's a plethora of tools. There's all kinds of new software programs popping up as well. Um, you know, there's uh, now financing popping up for short-term rentals. So there's a lot of opportunity in the space. It's definitely something that's growing. Um, I think the challenge for somebody that is self-managing is really understanding how they want to manage things themselves and who they want to become again it's always the, kind of goes back to the core of my question are you you know looking for a few passive a few properties that you can generate some you know re returns from or are you looking for a lot for you know become a real estate investor uh, and if, you, if it's the latter i would recommend looking for a for a management partner uh, the sooner the better yeah to jump in there to Amir's point what we and what we found ourselves and what many people who get into short term rentals, uh, even with a few properties, find is that you end up with this technology stack of, of off the shelf software tools um, that are expensive. They add up. Right. Um, and they're often clunky. They don't they're not integrated very effectively. You're having to go to different tools to do different things um, and it becomes really inefficient, uh, expensive and again, not the best experience to manage. So we ended up building um, our own software stack uh, with some integrations with some external tools, but primarily everything that we use at Rabu to manage properties is internally built by our engineering team that Katie referenced earlier, um, James and Justin. Um, and it's been very helpful for us to scale. Um, honestly, we could not have scaled to the level where we are without that. Um, that's been critical because uh, you, you just end up with this Frankenstein set of tools that is honestly very difficult to use.
Yeah, that's a really great point. Thank you for sharing that story about kind of the transition that we've had to do internally as a company as well. Um, so after hearing all of this advice today, like I mentioned before, there's definitely a lot that goes into managing short-term rentals. Um, some people may be curious about outsourcing to a property management partner. I'd be interested to see if you guys can go through kind of what some of those pros and cons are of partnering with a company, maybe like Rabu or self-managing rentals. Yeah, my, my biggest pro for self-managing is really understanding the space, understanding what guests are looking for, understanding what makes a property the best, understanding really even what to expect out of your property manager. Um, nothing beats kind of hands-on experience and kind of living living the life um, and seeing what the process is like. Um, so that that was honestly one of my kind of biggest takeaways from when we first started self-managing is really understanding the opportunity at hand. At that point, as I mentioned, we had the capacity between my wife and I to do it, uh, and we chose to go down that route, uh, and, and it worked out well for us. So, um, you know, we got to the point where we decided we wanted to turn into a property management organization. But uh, the best kind of pro from my perspective on the self-management is that you actually get to learn the industry, you get to realize if it's for you, and then you get to know if you're looking to grow your portfolio, what uh, is successful and what isn't, you know, adjust to your growth that way. Yeah, and to jump in there, I would say one of the or several of the pros of using a property management partner like Arabu or, or any other property manager in your particular market um, is scalability, right? So you're able to work with that partner, especially if they have nationwide coverage like, like we do, um, to move into different markets and not just have properties in either the same market where you already are or maybe one remote market where you can easily get to, right? Because those markets may not have the best returns. You may want to, you know, if you're becoming a real estate investor, um, like Amir is referencing, you want to go where the returns are highest, which is not necessarily where you are. Um, the other benefit is that rather than having to pay for all these off-the-shelf software tools and then put your own time into managing the property, um, obviously, a property management company will, will charge you a percent of revenue is typically what um, the, that business model is. Um, but you're getting not only the on-the-ground support, but you're getting um, everything else we've already talked about on this call, plus the software um, stack that that manager is either paying for or has built themselves, like we, we have built a Rabu, right? So you, you know, there's going to be costs around owning a property, right? Um, it's either you know, you're, you're paying for the software and your own time, whether it's factored into your financial model or not. Um, and so property management companies just sort of make the cost in my mind a, a bit clearer, right? You, you just, it's, it's, it's priced into what your, your expenses are. Great answer. It's definitely interesting to hear some of the different arguments for self-management versus property management. Um, so I have two fun and quick questions to wrap up this portion, and then we'll jump into some open Q and a first one being, can each of you share your just ultimate top property management tip that you've learned either through your experience of self-managing or through working in property management at Rabu. Yeah, I can jump in there. Amir did reference this a little bit earlier, but this one was a really surprising and important one, which is that guests will tell you when they check out if you ask them. Um, and that can be really important, right? Because um, if you know that the guest checked out at 9 a.m., then you don't have to wait until checkout time officially, which could be 11 or even 12 p.m. in certain markets. Um, and knowing that uh, does a few things. One, it can allow you for more same day turnovers, right? So accepting a guest checking in on that same day um, because you have longer to turn the property over or your cleaner has longer to turn the property over once it's checked out. So 
Highly recommend asking guests are not offended by that question. They'll tell you more often than not when they've checked out and that gives you more time to get more guests in the property and do a better clean. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, on my end, it's really put yourself in, in everything that you do, put yourself in, in the guest shoes. Would you enjoy or would you like to be treated the way you're getting ready to, you know, either set up a property or communicate with a guest? That's really always been kind of the number one law uh, rule. Uh, it's, you know, do I, would I enjoy having this type of couch here? Would I enjoy, you know, this type of communication from the guests? It's really kind of put yourself in the guest, guest shoes. Um, and if the answer is a resounding yes, do it. If it's a no, then don't, or maybe then probably don't do it. So um, that's really a, a good hack for, for the industry. Those are both great ones. And for mine, I would say probably quality over speed 10 times out of 10. It's so important to do the right thing over the fastest thing every single time when it comes to getting the right vendor partner, fixing your property, everything will pay off um, as long as you are prioritizing quality over speed. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one, Katie. I would imagine it's also probably one of the biggest ones during the initial onboarding when you're setting the property up because that can be a make or break. And of course, we all want to get the property up there and making as money as quickly as possible. But if you take shortcuts, if you don't spend the time on the art to put up on the wall, um, because you're trying to get the first booking in there, it's you know, <laughs> it's not going to work out well very well. It's a great, great tip for sure. Yeah, great tips. Those are all really tactical and actionable things that people can take away from this. Uh, so, lastly, definitely the most fun question of the bunch: Can one of you guys maybe share your favorite or funniest story that we've experienced managing properties? that right sure i can jump in there uh you know as amir mentioned we've we've managed hundreds of properties um in a lot of markets and been doing this for many years so there are a lot of things that happen that are funny in hindsight but not necessarily funny at the time um but one that is uh was funny at the time and, and is also funny looking back is that uh, we we did have uh, an emotional support pig stay at one of the properties that we managed um, and the reason that still gives us a laugh is that the you know cleaning the property afterwards uh, proved to be very difficult. And honestly, I, the smell of a pig staying in a in a in a unit really never goes away. Um, so, <laughs> you know, uh, just something that is still kind of a good chuckle for our team is that, that I guess you know when when pigs stay in your properties, um, expect that smell to kind of stay in the walls forever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, man. And this, it, that uh, pig was there for a while, too. It was like a month or something, right? So it wasn't even like a quick get in, get out. It was an extended uh, pigsty, I guess. Midterm. Mid yeah. 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 <laughs> wow, that one kills me. I've never heard of an emotional support pig, but to, to each their own. Um, so I know we're, we're actually almost we're four minutes out from the technical end of the webinar, but we have a ton of great questions that have rolled in. Totally understand if people do need to drop at the uh, 2.45 Eastern time, but um, we can kind of run through some of these questions. And if we run over a little bit and people are still interested, we can keep going. Again, do know people have busy days, do know the World Cup is on, but we can jump into those open Q&A questions now. Um, so one that I saw come in that I think is really interesting is more actually on the property acquisition side of things. Um, what is the process uh, to help someone acquire a property? What are the kind of documentations or what, what's our process to help in that? Uh, we, we built the entire kind of engine around that. So what we always recommend uh, people do is they, uh, is use data.rugby.com, especially the free tool. Um, so if you go to data.rugby.com and 
Uh, Chris, if you wouldn't mind just linking that, I'm sure most people here have seen it, but if you wouldn't mind sending send that in the chat, it's a tool that we've built uh, that we have years and years worth of data on uh, where we where you give us an address to tell you how much that property can make as a short-term rental. So we always recommend people to start there and then look at the comps uh, in the area uh, to get themselves familiarized with, with the property and to see if it's actually a good rental. Um, so uh, that's a that's a great starting point. Uh, because it just gives you some really strong information early on and also gives you the comps to, to select from property properties from. So we always kind of say that that's a great place to start. Uh, tap in different addresses, tap in your address, tap in an address that you find on Zillow or a neighbor's address, wherever the case may be, um, and, and see kind of what the short-term rental opportunity is there. Once you've done that, if you really kind of are thinking about taking this seriously and are ready to invest, we do have a it's, it's a paid product, but it's the, the rest of our tool set that includes market data where we have a really deep breakdown in each market, what properties are performing the best, what amenities performing the best, uh, incredibly powerful. Uh, so you know what type of properties to look for and what markets and what amenities to add. And then we also have uh, properties for sale on there as well. So what we basically do is look at properties that hit the market, that MLS market, uh, and underwrite it for our tool. And based on your search criteria, your buy box, we send properties your way um, so that properties that meet your criteria are quickly displayed to you. Um, those three things are amazing. The other thing that I would recommend is we have a um, email that we send out twice a week, uh, every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, one went out earlier today, uh, where we show you some of the three best properties that we've come across in the last few days of short-term rentals. Again, free to subscribe to a great list to kind of see. Here's some properties, some interesting markets. Here's what their uh, return uh, profiles look like. Awesome. Thank you for diving so deep into that. Um, the next question is really on the property acquisition side as well. Um, but this is a question that we're often asked is just help with financing. Do we have any tips on how to secure financing for short-term rentals? Yeah, that's another good question. Um, there's a couple of ways to go about it. We did just form a partnership with a nationwide lender who will provide loans for short-term rentals based on the data on our website. So uh, we look for an email about that in the next few weeks um, that will come from Nicole or Chris. I'm uh, really excited about that because they can provide loans across all but three states in the United States uh, and the rates are very competitive. So there will be a loan product that we'll be announcing soon, a partnership we'll be announcing soon. So that's one option. Um, the other option uh, is also local banks. You know, you're not going to get a loan for a short-term rental at your, you know, your Bank of America's or your Wells Fargo's, but if there's a local credit union that you have a relationship with uh, or any kind of smaller local bank that, uh, especially that you have a relationship with, we highly recommend um, going to those groups and talk to them about the asset class. There's a decent chance that they will uh, underwrite the property based on its long-term rental revenue versus its short-term rental revenue, which could complicate things a little bit, but those are kind of your best, best go-tos. The partnership that we're announcing in a few weeks, which will uh, underwrite properties for short-term rentals based on the data on data.rabu.com. Uh, and then also your local banks are oftentimes uh, uh, your best option. Great, thanks for that answer. Um, so this next one now really uh, has to do with getting a short-term rental up and running. Does Rabu have any staging services to help set up a property in an area where potentially the host doesn't live and it wouldn't be as easy to, to get it up and rental ready? Katie, you wanna take this one? Yeah, for sure. Happy to jump in here. So a couple of things. One, 
our onboarding specialist will always do a virtual walkthrough with you. Um, so they will make plenty of recommendations. We actually have a specific Amazon list where if you want to just buy everything on there, that's perfectly great. Um, we have, of course, tested everything on there. So we do know that it works well. Um, but on top of that, if you do want actual interior design services, we do partner with Guested. Um, they are in many of our markets. They offer impeccable interior design. Um, they really kind of bump it up to that five-star experience. Yeah, get, guess that is a great resource if you're just looking for somebody to take the, the cleaning, sorry, not the cleaning, the furnishing off your hands. Of course, you'll be paying a little bit of a premium versus doing it yourself. But again, uh, it's a time cost analysis, really how much is your own time worth? Um, and oftentimes, especially stuff like this, uh, it's just smarter to to move with, with a group like Guested. Um, there's a few others. Uh, Full House is another one that I can think of, but Guested is the one that we've had the best experience with. Great. Yeah, I can say from from experience of seeing those units from Guested that they are pretty pretty nice. <laughs> um, so the next one here is around um, different booking types. I suppose um, is there a good strategy that we can dispose of uh, securing and getting midterm bookings? I'm, I'm happy to try to take this one. Midterm bookings are kind of, what's the best way to describe it there? Uh, it has to be a, a strategy that you look at, you know, first um, versus accidentally, right? And what I mean by that is you can't expect to get midterm mid bookings if you're allowing a two-day booking three or four months out, right? Uh, so the best way to secure midterm bookings is to really kind of limit the calendar on the length of stay probably a month plus out because you don't want somebody to come in and really uh, kind of kill the opportunity of you being able to get a uh, two-month booking in April because they booked a weekend in, in December for April. So really the best way to get midterm bookings uh, is to keep your calendar um, kind of the length of stay tight uh, from from a month out, uh, and really only allow those weekly and monthly rentals from that time out, and then uh, expect the daily rentals, the you know the weekend rentals to come in within um, the the you know days of the guests arriving. Transparently, with Airbnb especially, it's quite common that most bookings do happen within two weeks of arrival, so you're really not losing out that much revenue potential. Um, so um, the best way to do it again, uh, don't allow short-term bookings a month plus out. Yeah, to add on to that, being intentional is exactly um, what you need to do, which is what Amir said. Um, but also, of course, offer discounts for monthly stays and look at that ultimate paid rate um, and and sort of do the analysis of okay, if I have a discount uh, discounted monthly stay at this particular rate, you know what, how many nights of occupancy as a short terminal would I need, and at what rate to match that same revenue figure, right? And I sort of have a sensitivity analysis and think through wear and tear and other implications for longer term stays, um, and you know just do the do the work of understanding the financial output. Um, but midterm stays can be a great way um, to to earn a lot of revenue, especially in markets where there's a lot of um, nomad travelers and, and remote workers that are um, excited to go places and sort of live on Airbnb, if you will, versus have a long-term lease. Yeah, a couple, couple of notes real quick there, just to add a little context. We have some markets that we work in um, that we only allow monthly rentals, and those perform really well. Um, another kind of really anecdote here, when COVID hit, um, 
you know, we had probably $200,000 worth of bookings eliminated over that kind of, I think well, it was Friday the 13th, March 13th weekend. It was St. Patty's Day weekend, I think, if I remember correctly. We had most of our bookings uh, basically got canceled because Airbnb came out and said, hey, you know, because of the COVID pandemic, because of the lockdowns, we're going to allow anybody to cancel future reservations and get a full refund. So sure enough, over the weekend, we lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we were in scramble mode. Uh, so what we ended up doing is we ended up creating a brand new Airbnb account where we recreated all our listings before all of our all, of, all the reservations, those listings were even canceled. And we required anybody that booked those listings again to be for weeks, for a few weeks or a few months at a time. And we were shocked when we set record. We had, I think at one point in time, we're like 90% occupied. Um, and performing really well. And that's because we were intentional about driving those type of bookings. We didn't allow anything less than a few days, which transparently at that time, you know, it didn't, there wasn't a lot of couple day travel, but it really surprised us. Uh, so uh, if you're intentional about it, there's an opportunity there, but you have to be really intentional about it. Intentional is a good word to use. Another, another hack there is to list your property on Zillow um, and just get inquiries for it there as a furnished rental. and then you can transition somebody to go book on Airbnb from, um, you know, once you sort of have that inquiry and you're messaging with that uh, particular guest, um, that was also a strategy we used um, pretty effectively during COVID. It does cost a little bit to list on Zillow, but it's a it's a good marketing engine. And, and, and to, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Katie. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, to answer your question, Stanley, this also does relate. Basically, furnished finders is something that we're also um, on as of recently. And it is quite a bit of uh, travel nurses are, are extended stays for the most part. Um, and not so much families and vacationers. It really is, you know, those people traveling for work and uh, quite a few travel nurses as well. But furnished findings is great. It does cost per um, listing, but it does basically bring in inquiries for at least one month terms. Yeah. The other thing to add, we actually have, well, one of them is on this own call. We do have a few team members that, because Rabu is a fully remote company, you know, people can work from anywhere. So Nicole, for example, is, uh, she spent, how, how long were you in, in Europe just traveling, staying in different Airbnbs for weeks at a time? Um, yeah. It's it's something that's become much more normalized, kind of the nomad lifestyle. You know, Nicole does it. We have Julia who does it as well. Harvey does it on the team because of the remote culture. People not have the ability to travel and go live in the in cities for a few weeks or a few months at a time. So it's becoming a a, a real thing. Um, I would probably com comfortably say that one of the biggest kind of abilities for Nicole and people like Nicole to find places to rent is there's not enough supply of that type of property it's available. So um, midterm rentals are here to stay and I think they're only going to grow going forward. Yeah, I can even provide some insight into how I look for Airbnbs to stay in as like a consumer for midterm rentals. I know two things that are, or I guess three things that are really important to me that I always try to like filter out for an Airbnb is people who disclose their Wi-Fi speed um, to Amir's point, I was in Europe all summer. Um, and one thing that did not register to me before going was that like Wi-Fi is totally different there. Um, and we definitely had some snafus while we were there with some slow Wi-Fi. So moving forward without or throughout the rest of our travels, we really filter down for Wi-Fi speed. And that's actually an amenity that you can list on Airbnb is your Wi-Fi speed. How many megabits per second is the download speed? Something else that I look for is dedicated workspaces. Um, and the last thing is, and maybe this 
might be more um, relevant to some people than others. Some people like to eat out a lot. I personally like to cook at home a lot. So Airbnbs that have kitchens and are fully stocked with like pots and pans and things like that. That's something else that I look out for as well. And that to Katie's point earlier can really improve your SEO optimization from an Airbnb listing perspective. Um, and also it just really positions the listing in the mind of the traveler that it's a great place to spend time to make home um, and that they'll have all the basics that they need because um, not pots and pans don't fit into, into travel suitcases. <laughs> so from a traveler perspective, those are some of the things that I look for. That's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, we'll do a few more questions here as we wrap up the hour. This next one is a bit of a quicker question, but are there any OTAs that we recommend listing on besides Airbnb and Verbo? Yes, I think Trent alluded to Zillow. Yeah, go ahead, Katie. Yep. Oh, thank you so much, Amir. Sorry. Um, yes, Zillow is great for monthly renters, as is Furnished Finders. Um, but we also always recommend Booking.com, Expedia, and Hotels.com. Um, you can use, of course, a channel manager for all of those. So you can only have one listing on all of those, which is great. Um, but we, the more you can get on, the better, just for exposure purposes. Also, one thing I would point out there is we get a lot of questions about direct bookings. Um, and that that's a kind of hotly debated topic uh, in, in the industry. And by direct bookings, meaning you set up your own website or booking engine, right, to take bookings from the guest directly, not on a, on a channel. Um, we do, because we have good experience, uh, in the industry, uh, we do take direct bookings. It, it is not the majority of our strategy and it's not a strategy we honestly recommend, um, for most hosts, because there are a lot of risks that come with it. Um, the, the channels like Airbnb do provide a lot of protections, um, for you as the host or you as the short terminal owner, um, that are, that are meaningful. And once you get outside of that ecosystem, when things go wrong, uh, it is it is much more on you, um, and you have no support. Um, things like evictions of of guests, or you know, anything that basically happens that isn't a happy path stay, right, can be can be challenging with direct booking. So it is a it is a part of our strategy. We we do it for certain units um, more than we do for others, um, but it but certainly something to point out that it it does carry its risks. Great, thank you. Um, coming up next is uh, more about markets for different short-term rentals. What do we consider a competitive market? And what are some of the metrics that we use to evaluate the competition within a market? Competitive market, uh, competitive, let's say the way we think about it is, you know, where can I get the best cash on cash and cap rate returns for a short-term rental? Um, we fund most of that to be in the south, southeast. So think of the Carolinas down into Georgia, into Florida, and kind of across into Texas and parts of Arizona. Um, those are really the markets where we've seen the most success. It's really a combination of uh, significant demand and travel while still having relatively affordable housing. Um, hence, why you will see less in in you know the uh, Californias of the world uh, and some of the other Western states. It's really uh, around affordability and really demand for travel and both leisure and then also also work. So the Southeast uh, and the South is where we've seen most success and most opportunity. Great. And then we will close it out with one more question. I know that there are a ton of other really, really great questions in the chat, and we really appreciate all of your interest in, in this topic. And we'll be sure to follow up with people and give them our answers to those questions. But for the sake of time, this will be our last question. 
Um, I know Trent mentioned earlier that we built a lot of our tools that we use for property management. This individual was, was interested in if we sell our custom property management tools. Great question. Um, we don't. Um, we have someone in the past. We don't now, uh, but you never know. <laughs> right now, we use it to, uh, to provide the best service we can to our own property management clients. Great answer, and that kicked off the end of uh, the call very well. Um, I know we've come up on the hour now. Many of you have stayed on for 15 minutes past the scheduled time, so I really, really appreciate that. And I know I can, um, everyone on this call can echo that as well, the panelists. Um, thank you so much for coming. We really hope that you got a lot of value out of this call and learned some tactical tips that you can implement in your own processes, either now or if you're still looking for your first short-term rental and how to maximize that revenue and minimize your time, hopefully spent on it. Um, but I know I can speak on behalf of myself and the rest of the panelists on the call. And I say thank you so much for joining and we really hope that you enjoyed this webinar. Thanks so much for tuning into Short-Term Rental Investing 101. Hope you learned some tricks today that will help you more efficiently operate your portfolio. Please remember to follow us on your favorite podcast app and social media accounts tagged in the show notes. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. Until next time, cheers.